Hey everybody, Robert Young with Beyond Grit. How are you? Hopefully everybody's having a fantastic week. So identity, um, and what I mean by that is something that you are known by, whether it be your career, um, uh, something that you do talent-wise, uh, if you're um, somebody coming out of college or high school and you were a star athlete, and now that's gone, um, how how do you cope with that? And it's one of the things that I had to deal with when I moved here 10 years ago because I was a fireman. So Rob, Rob's the fireman, uh, paramedic. And that's all I knew. That's all I did for years. And then I moved here and all of a sudden I had to try to find myself and find what, you know, what I'm going to create now and what I'm going to do. And I took the craziest path of being a stay-at-home dad for eight years. And that's what I did. Um, and that that in itself came with all kinds of different challenges of going from a role where I knew what I was going to do every single day to now being at home and um, trying to raise two young kids. And holy cow, that was... Uh, that was quite an experience, but it's one of those things that people go through in life and maybe, you know, they do it one time, two times, three times, but it's, it's a challenge. And, um, my guest today, um, we talked about that and, you know, and some people need to make big changes to overcome that, to do, to start over and to start anew. And I don't think that people really understand how, how hard it can be. Um, one day you're the star and the next day you're just a regular person. And how are you going to go through life and what are you going to do next and what's your next step? And people, you know, they look at a lot of, you know, the social media and we talked about that of everybody's life and everybody's highlight reel and, and God, you know, I should be happy all the time. And really you're, we're not. And, and that's okay. Um, because we're just trying to find something and, and everybody that looks like they're on top of the world and they're the greatest thing, you know, since sliced bread, they have bad days too. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has ups and downs. Um, and we kind of talk about that and we explore it a little bit and she's just got a great little story and it was fun to, uh, sit down and talk with Leah and, and get to know her and get to know, you know, how her life, um, evolved as, uh, an athlete and then at an athlete at a high level and then a business owner and then all of a sudden that was over and and where do you go from there and and what's the next step so it was fun um sit back enjoy and i'll talk to you next week What's up? What's up? <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I wish it was a little bit prettier outside. I know it is a but. little bit yucky, but I don't really mind it. I'm kind of a fall guy, and um, 
I do like the sun, but the gray kind of reminds me of home a little bit. So I don't mind it every now and then. Just not six months worth of yeah. gray. Yeah, this is very Pacific Northwest vibes. It is. So you ready for your comp tomorrow? Hopefully. Yeah. Do you still like competing? Um, I like the people. Yeah. I like the social aspect of it. I have a hard time with the competition aspect because I was so competitive. Uh-huh. And now I'm not in the same kind of shape as I used to be. So uh, it's kind of, you almost have a little bit of cognitive dissonance where you still think that you can do what you used to do, but you know you really can't because you haven't been putting in the time. So um, it's still fun, but I don't want to do a whole lot of them, I don't yeah. think, anymore. I know. I have that, I have that love-hate relationship with it where... I like it. It's kind of like I like the people, but I'm not putting in four hours at the gym. I'm just I've got stuff going on, but I do like to compete with people. I think my dog is out there whining, but I do. I I, I like it, Um, but I'm always glad when it's done. I retired like three years ago. I wasn't (laughs) going to compete. And then this one came up and I think I had one too many beers and i was like let's do it we're gonna do this and then here we are yeah i was volunteering with johnny and pamela and they were like how old are you i was like i'm 36 oh you're masters do you want to do this competition with us i was like are you sure because you know i don't work out as much as you guys do even close yeah um they're like yeah it's gonna be great you should just do it i was like okay Okay. so i got roped hopefully we don't get rained on I think the weather changed, and it's supposed to be pretty now on Saturday. That'll be good. And Saturday is two days from now. I always, I'm I'm off by a day this week. I don't know why, but that's okay. So what else you got going on? Um, mostly just work and kind of getting. I'm putting a lot of effort, I think, into my career right now mm-hmm. because for a long time, um. I had such odd jobs and, you know, self-employed and things like that. And now I'm in more of a corporate role. And so it's kind of fun having that different kind of opportunity. And so just trying to make the most of it. We're in a period of time when we're, we've had a lot of transition at work, a lot of people getting moved into different roles. So there's only four of us right now to travel the country um, and educate for my company and so it's trying to take on a little bit more and just uh just self-develop in that aspect so that's a big part of the job is travel how'd you guys work through the covid well we were considered essential travel because we were educating physicians and they can't use the equipment that we sell without the education so we slowed down a little bit probably around March, um, April, maybe a little into May 2020. And that was it when we got, when June kind of rolled around, it was like, all right, you know, we have to start getting back out there. So I don't think that my personal travel has really been significantly slow with COVID, except at the very beginning when we were still kind of figuring out what was going on. Yeah. So, um, so I still travel regularly, um, every week. Do you go, do you get, do you cover a certain 
part of the country or are you kind of all over? Yeah, technically I cover the whole East Coast, basically. So I go all the way up to Philadelphia and I have Baltimore, D.C., all of Virginia, North and South Carolina, um, Georgia and Florida. Okay. So and then we help in other parts of the country if we need to. So like I've been to Michigan a couple of times to help recently. Um, and I went to Tennessee to help them. Um, so it's kind of, you have your, your designated territory and then if they have like an SOS call, then they'll see if you're available. Yeah. Now, what are you doing for them? So I'm a clinical educator. Um, so that means that, cause I have a nursing degree. So that means that, um, if a physician or a hospital buys a p- this piece of equipment from us, I travel to the facility and I teach, I educate the doctors on how to use it. And then I um, kind of watch them do their first few cases with it. And then, um, and then I travel back home. Okay. Are you on call with the physician if they have issues with it or does that channel somewhere else? Yeah, not really. We don't have on-call positions. Um, they have, each account has an account manager that's in the sales part of the company and not the education part. And they kind of manage the account after we leave. Um, we have been, we're available, you know, by phone or to help the account managers or the physicians, um, if they need to, but it's not on call the way that some education jobs are like with cardiac jobs or things like that. You have to, or I think a lot of people that work in trauma, like orthopedic trauma, if someone gets in a car wreck and the physician needs to use your equipment, you have to go no matter what time it is. Um, so we don't have that. That's good. Luckily. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was not interested in that type of a role. Uh, so where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of Austin, Texas in a tiny little town called Wimberley, which is now, if you're familiar with Texas, is really popular because it has really good, um, it has a river, the Blanco River runs through it and it has Blue Hole and it's got like these cute little shops and it's in the hill country. So it's actually really popular. But when I grew up there, we had one stoplight and <laughs> lived down a dirt road. Um, and it was great. It's, it was a great place to grow up for sure. You oh. know, that, that, um, Miranda Lambert song, everybody's famous in a small town, yep. whatever. That's like exactly the way that it was pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, how long did you live there? I moved there in third grade after my parents split, we moved, my mom moved us to Wimberley and then, um, I stayed there through high school. Okay. And then boogied from there. Where'd you go to college? I went to college at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas, which is only about an hour or so away. Um, But I went there to play volleyball. So I played volleyball at college there. And then when I graduated, I originally thought I wanted to go to medical school. My dad's a physician. And I realized in school, (laughs) really in physics too, I had a really hard time with that class in college. And, um, I kind of had a little epiphany of like, if I don't have the will to do well in this class, like what's going to happen when I get to medical school and there's other classes that I don't enjoy, but struggle with, um, I was like, maybe this isn't the right track for me. Yeah. So I went, um, I went a different route and I ended up going to nursing school after, okay. after, I guess a couple years after college. Okay. 
So you finished up college and then went to. Yeah, I finished up college. I actually worked. I have a very kind of convoluted career. (laughs) I went and worked at a physical therapy clinic for a year because I thought maybe I wanted to go to PT school. And um, that was fun. And but it got very monotonous Um, still. You know, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. We got total knee replacements or shoulder problems and they go through the same exercises and the same drills. And even though the people were really fun, um, interacting with the people work was great. The job itself was pretty boring. Um, and I worked at one of the premier sports facilities, like sports physical therapy facilities in San Antonio. We worked with the San Antonio Spurs. We worked with the Silver Stars, which was the women's basketball team. Um, so I did get to meet some of those guys. Yeah. So it's kind of, it was kind of the pinnacle of what I thought physical therapy w- was going to be. Um, and it still didn't really mesh with what I wanted to do. So um, I took a year off, moved to Houston, outside of Houston. I moved in with my dad. Um, he had a garage apartment that I could live in and kind of tried to figure out what I wanted to do and decided that um, nursing would be a good avenue because there was a lot of different opportunities. So I thought if I got my bachelor's in nursing, I could go into a particular field. And then if things didn't really pan out or I didn't like it that much, there was a million other different fields of nursing that I could do. Yeah. So that whole concept of it being, I don't know, boring or or not exciting enough kind of went out the window because there was always going to be an opportunity to do something new within that field with that degree. Yeah. No, that's really good. And you're right. I mean, you can go from nursing in a family practice to nursing in the ER department to nursing on a floor to nursing in ICU to to using what you're doing today, you know, your degree. Which I didn't know this kind of job that I have even existed at the time. Uh-huh. So it's just, there really is a lot of opportunities within that field. Um, so I think it's a great place for people to go if they're kind of like that. They like changing mm-hmm. careers. They're interested in a lot of different things. Um, nursing's a great field. To go into. Mm-hmm. Did um, Do you have siblings? <laughs> I actually do. I have eight siblings. Oh my gosh. Um, my, I have one full brother and I have a half brother that my, on my mom's side, who's 10 years older than I am, but my dad, um, remarried a few, well, it's been gosh, like 10 years ago, I guess, but he remarried, um, to a woman who is awesome and she already had three kids and then they decided to have three children together. So okay. I have eight siblings and the youngest one is um, six right now. <laughs> the youngest three are six, eight, and 10. Wow. Do they all still live in Texas? Yeah, most of them. So the older three are all in college on on that side. So my, my stepmom's first three children are all, well, actually, sorry, the oldest one is already graduated and in, in a career. He's a, phys- he's a, a PA, a physician assistant. Okay. But the other two are in college, and then the three little ones are still obviously at home. Yeah. Gosh. Wild times over there. It is wild times over there. I couldn't imagine the little little kids again. They're fun. They keep you going. Yeah, they try. We try to keep them. They try to keep them young. Oh my. God. <laughs> um. 
So does your mom still live in the Austin area? They were, yeah, my mom and my stepdad yeah. still live in the Austin area. They recently just sold their okay. um, house and they're looking to get something um, that's a little bit further out. Um, they were kind of in the heart of almost near downtown. So they had a great opportunity to cash mm -hmm. in. So they did. Um, so they're still there and they're probably going to stay there. You're going to stay there? Maybe? Yeah. For a while, we thought maybe they'd kind of come out here or maybe go. My other brother lives in Portland, but, um, but they, they, I think they're going to end up staying in Texas. Wow. You guys are like Portland to Charlotte is huge. Yeah. We went in different directions. Yeah. I like it. I like Charlotte. Um, so you played when you were in high school, were you competitive in sports in high school? Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, I played volleyball was my main sport. Um, my high school actually won. We won two state championships while I was there my junior and senior year. Um, so we were pretty good yeah. in that we were a three. A, I don't know what North Carolina has, but in Texas, they go by like a systems, one, a two, a three, a four to talk about size. So we were a three, a, which was fairly small. Um, my graduating class was like 140 kids. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, so we won my junior year and senior year and I also did powerlifting when I was in high school. Okay. And so I started weightlifting in high school. Um, and then, but that was it. I, when I was younger, I did a bunch of different sports, basketball, track, all that kind of stuff. And I eventually just narrowed it down to, to mostly volleyball. To volleyball. Yeah. What got you into powerlifting? So we had, um, we actually had a really great weightlifting program within girls athletics. Um, and I, I guess it's odd to me, it doesn't seem odd, but, um, at the time maybe it was, um, so three days a week, we, the girls athletics, you know, teams, all the teams, um, we lifted weights in the weight room and the only weightlifting coaches were the football coaches. And so they coached us. And so three days a week, we were running through squat, bench, cleans, um, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's part of what it created a base of strength at a really young age for all of us. Um, but I really liked it and I was pretty good at it because I'm kind of a bigger girl. I mean, I'm five, eight. And so um, yeah. I, I was, I was pretty good at it. So I just kind of, um, they asked me about it if I wanted to try powerlifting. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, so it probably helped all of you girls with your sports and with volleyball and creating that strength. Yeah, I um I used to so many years down the line from that, um I used to be involved with CrossFit football that doesn't exist anymore. Um, now it's Power Athlete, but with John Wilborn and those guys, and they used to talk a lot about base of strength and how when you are um, younger, like the high school kids and stuff, you really only have one opportunity in your life to create a, a really good base of strength. And it's, and that's kind of the age that you're doing it. So I just got really lucky that we had such a great consistent weightlifting program and there was no difference. Like the expectation between guys and girls was the same, um, where we were, we went in, you lifted hard, you know, we did it three days a week, no matter what. And that was that. So for four years, that's what we did. And it really, um, it's, it's, it's definitely part of what made me a better athlete going into college and then eventually into CrossFit. Like I had a, a background that I don't think a lot of people had. Mm -hmm. 
I was familiar with so much of that aspect of it already. Yeah. Did you play when you went to college and you said you played volleyball in college? Did you get a scholarship to play there or? No, I was a walk on. on. Yeah, I was a walk on. Um, My they it's a it was a D three school. So they don't do athletic scholarships. You can only get academic scholarships. So I had academic scholarships and I was already accepted at the school. Um, and I just had an acquaintance who had a friend that was on the volleyball team. So I kind of had a contact that way. And I went to, um, some of their camps, like their summer camps they'll do for kids or for high school kids. Mm -hmm. But I just was persistent. I was like, you know, I'm going to try out for the team and so I tried out and they put me on the team. Nice. Did you play there all four years? Yep. I, um, freshman year, I didn't, um, I, you know, I didn't play very much, obviously freshmen don't usually. And then sophomore year, we were at a tournament in St. Louis and they, we had two different girls have really bad days and I got put in finally, um, to play during this tournament and I did really well and had a great game. And so from then on, I started in the back row for them. Uh, so it was a good, uh, it was a good experience for sure. So what led you to playing volleyball in Israel? Um, so when I was, uh, it was after college. So I graduated in 2007. Um, and I actually got an email contact to this day. I still don't know how they got my email or where they, they got this from, but it was for the, um, the, it's called the, the Maccabi games. Uh-huh. So if you're a Jewish athlete, um, every four years in Israel, they host a big competition. Uh, it's kind of like an Olympics or the way that it's set up all different sports and all different countries send teams to compete. So, and you have to be at least partially, I don't know what the cutoff is, but partially um, Jewish to do this. So I got an email from the coach asking if I wanted to try out for that team to go play that summer. Um, So this was 2009 to go play that summer overseas um, at the Maccabi games. And I happened to be not, I didn't have a, like a steady job. I was at my, I was going, I was supposed to go into nursing school, start nursing school that fall. So I didn't have anything that summer. Um, so timing, it was just very serendipitous. Uh And, um, so I sent in like DVDs from college of a highlight film. Um, I sent it into them for my tryout cause I wasn't going to travel to California to try out. And, um, and they put me on team. So we met, for the first time, the whole team got together in Washington, D.C. in um, the end of June, I believe. And we stayed there for like a week doing pre-tournament, like a like a prep camp. Mm-hmm. And then we flew over to Israel and we stayed there for, it was like a, I think it was four weeks long or something like that. It was a month Um and we would train, you know, the first few weeks you just practiced and trained and then you started the, in the tournament and we played, um, Brazil had a team and Mexico had a team, Italy had a team. Um, and then we were there and Israel had a team obviously, but the Israeli team was like 
it was like their national team. So okay. their level of play was a little bit higher than everybody else's, but, um, but it was fun. It was fun. That was yeah. a good opportunity. Yeah. It was a great experience. Um, they did a lot of, I think part of it a lot was trying to like reconnect Jewish youth with their history and like with the, the country itself. And so we did a lot of, um, tours and learning about different things. We got to go to the Holocaust museum. We got to go to the Dead Sea. We got to do all sorts of stuff within that month of, of playing Okay. and meet people from all over the world who were also, I, you know, were also Jewish. So, um, so it was a great experience for sure. Now are you, was your dad Jewish? Was your mom Jewish? My mom was not my dad. Um, my dad's Jewish. Um, and his family, you know, his side of the family is Jewish. So we were raised kind of a little half and half, Mm -hmm. I guess you can say. Um, And so we've always had that like side of ourselves, more like a cultural thing than necessarily religious. Um, But that was, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of always been there. There. Yeah. That's good though. Yeah. You know, did, uh, so what led you into um, CrossFit? So funny enough, I... And that was actually an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> when I was in college, I dated a guy for a little while who was a baseball player. And he had a coach, um, like a an off-season coach that worked because he was a pitcher who worked with a lot of the pitchers on the Trinity baseball team. And he did a lot of like sports specific fitness. So this was long, this was back in like 2007. So CrossFit was really, um, not prevalent at that time. And he found, he had his own, like a small studio gym type thing. And I started working out with him a little bit on the off season just to, just to train and do some stuff. His name is Paul Schuer. And he, his CrossFit was called, um, body armor in San Antonio. Um, and I believe he sold it. Um, so, so I don't think it's there anymore, but, um, I was doing fitness with him for a while and then he traveled actually out to California to get his level one because he had found out about it and was like, this looks awesome. I'm going to go check it out. Went and got his level one, came back and kind of made us like his guinea pigs, um, and we started doing CrossFit workouts. And I remember thinking <laughs> that nobody was going to do this. Like nobody's going to pay you for these crazy workouts. And, you know, you're better off just doing sports specific fitness. Like people have been doing that for years. It works, you know, build up a studio gym. I was like, this CrossFit thing is dumb. No one's going to do this. It's terrible. The workouts are horrible. <laughs> and I, and I genuinely thought that, um, for a while. And then when I moved to outside of Houston, I hadn't really been working out consistently for a while. And I was like, man, I got to do something like I'm not. And I'm like, you know, I used to do CrossFit. Let me just see what's out there. And I Googled, um, and there was not, there was not a gym close to me. The closest gym was like 30, 30 minutes away. And so I emailed them and asked about, um, you know, coming in and, the coach, the owner was like, oh, well, a gym actually just opened in your area. Um, you know, here's the guy's contact info and you can go look it up. So I did. Um, and that's when I started doing CrossFit again. So that was 2008, um, kind of the fall, like August, 
of 2008. So um, I really was just doing it because it was an easy way to stay in shape and it was um, it was less boring than traditional workout. Yes. So that's kind of how it I know went. Traditional workouts were were good, but like you said, they it was boring. Like I needed something different. And I remember I, I started looking at the CrossFit stuff. And I, at that point, I still lived in Michigan. And I remember showing Nicole something. And I think it was like a recording of on YouTube of a fight, fight gone bad. And she's like, absolutely not. She's <laughs> yeah. like, that looks silly. And, and what are they are. doing? Yeah. 10 years later, you know, still doing it for the past 10 years. Yeah. And that was, I mean, it just, it filled a need. I think it filled a need for a lot of people when they get out of competitive sports, like what do I do with myself now? Yeah. So, um, it was an easy avenue to go into. And you did, but you did it at a high level though. You know, once you, um, did it just kind of progress into, hey, I'm going to do this open thing and then, oh, I did kind of well. And I mean, how did it kind of progress? Well, did you focus on wanting to go to the games? No, I didn't. I didn't really at the, in the beginning, but um, I did. I did my first local competition in, I think, March of 2009. And I won. I did scaled because I was like. I've never done a competition, what right? And really, I shouldn't have done skilled because the weights were so light. I think we were doing cleans with an empty barbell. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, but I won that one. I was like, oh, this com- competitive thing this is kind of cool. But there just weren't a ton of. There was only five gyms in my in all of Houston, like the entire Houston area. You know how Houston's the fourth largest yeah. city in the world. There was five. I mean, in America, sorry, um, not the world. Uh, there was only five gyms. So it was a really small group of people that were doing it back then. And, um, we were also really in, like, you know, you, you, they have CrossFit website and like watch all the videos and, and, yeah. you know, do all of this crazy stuff they would post on there. But, um, I, after that comp, I just kind of kept going and I don't really know when I decided like that I was going to just go do it used to be sectionals so before the open existed they had sectionals competition um and then if you placed in sectionals or you you got top whatever 30 or something you would go to regionals Uh and then from regionals you would go to the games and there was a couple of really good athletes in our area that were going you know they were competing and they were they were competing to go to the games and stuff and so um i just we would work out with them sometimes and it just kind of fueled that fire of like, yeah, I want to just see what I can do. Yeah. And, um, so I guess it was 2010, I did sectionals as an individual, um, and then moved on to regionals as an individual and then, um, obviously didn't make it to the games in 2010, but that was, I mean, that was it. Like, it was like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing this. Okay. And, um, at that time, I was the. I guess one of the things about CrossFit that was cool is that I mean, it still is. There was no weight classes like powerlifting, um, and I'm tall, and I was heavier than a lot of the girls and stronger, and so I had an advantage with a lot of the weightlifting type movements. Um, you know, the little girls who were good at gymnastics, it was great, but you know, I was going to beat them in a lot of the 
barbell stuff okay. or rowing, you know, something where height helps you out. Um, so I was fairly competitive early because there just wasn't a ton of strong girls, honestly. And that's all that, that's what it was, is that I was among some of the strongest, you know, girls that were in that area at the time or in that region and it gave me an advantage. And so it helped push me into being more competitive because it balances, right? Like I'm not, of course I'm going to get beaten a lot of the gymnastics stuff or a lot of cardio stuff, but I can hold my own with the weightlifting. And so I think when you're good at something like it, it makes you want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I started doing that and I ended up, I think at the end of my career, I had gone to regional seven times, um, most of it on a team. And then we went to the games once Okay. as a team. Was it fun? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Except for the ocean swim. That was really hard. <laughs> so what year was that? 2014. Um, I wonder if I was there. It's possible. Not a competitor. Um, I wonder if, because I did go two years in a row. Um, I may have been there. Yeah, it was, the team division was definitely, like, it's different than the, um, individuals in that, especially back then, it wasn't really given quite as much, like, you know, primetime accolades and showing on TV and stuff like that. Like people didn't care as much about, um, the team comp as they did the individuals, which is totally fine. But, well, that's kind of how it was, you know, with masters, like masters would be over in the corner on a Tuesday afternoon. Right. And then the teams, but then eventually the teams were competing at the same time as the individuals, you know, um, yeah, it got a during lot, that weekend. Right. It got know. a lot more popular. Um, we, we competed during the same weekend as the individuals. Um, but I think teams got a lot more popular as really good individual athletes got older and started to retire right. from individual and went to team. And so it brought that um, a better level of, you know, yeah, watching people yeah. Um, to that aspect of it. So it's fun. I watch, you know, I just thought. Sometimes the the thing that I had um, that I didn't like about it um, and later on was the stuff that they would have these athletes do. And I was I was like, who are we going to kill first? You know, it was very like, you know, just the different things that they would have and or who's going to get hurt or who's I was like, okay, well, how far are we going to push it? Well, Castro is going to push it as far as he can. As far as you can push it, right? <laughs> yep. And um, so that's what, you know, that's the only thing that I had, you know, I was a little aggravated about, but who the hell am I? I'm not going <laughs> to do anything. So, but then you, um, so doing all that, you know, there was big things going on in your life, marriage, opening up CrossFit gym, like how did that, you know? Yeah. So I actually, um, I didn't open the gym, the gym, um, that I ended up co-owning. I married into it. Okay. So the owner, um, of the gym and I got married. And, um, so I, I was regularly coaching already. Um, you know, I was working there pretty much full time, but, um, but yeah, we ended up getting married, um, and running that gym together with some partners, 
Um, we also had, we had a few other partners that helped us. Um, and it was a really, really successful gym. It was at the peak of CrossFit. I mean, I think at one point we had 300 members, like we were, it was a big gym. Um, great community, like definitely fulfilling in a lot of ways and definitely really hard in a lot of ways. So I was in charge of more, I was, I was, I coached more classes than anybody else. And I was in charge of a lot of like social events. Mm -hmm. So we did, um, different, you know, women's events or, um, you know, we had some, some kids stuff, um, and that was kind of my part that I kind of, um, focused on. Yeah. So I did, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really, it was really fulfilling. You think about a lot of lives that you end up changing and, um, just people that you meet and, and connect with over the years. Uh, yeah. cause we were there, let's see, the gym opened in 2008. Um, and we sold it in 2017. Okay. So was there for quite a long time. Yeah. And you guys just kind of done. Yeah. So CrossFit, um, changed a lot, I think from 2000 and I guess it was probably around 2015, 16, like the, the, I think CrossFit itself changed a lot. The business, um, just what people were looking for. 2012, 13 was like definitely kind of a peak CrossFit time. Tons of people would come in. They want to compete. They want to, you know, go to the games. They want to do whatever. And, um, and it's kind of almost planted a little bit of this like toxic seed in that there was a lot of people that came in who thought they wanted to go to the games and they needed to come in and we were a competitive gym and they were going to be able to do that with us. But then they got really caught up in like wanting to do specialized programming and being too good for the community classes and wanting all this extra stuff. And it created such a different environment within the gym. Um, and it wasn't something that we wanted to that's not the direction that we wanted to go ever. So I think that with that change, we didn't really navigate how we were going to deal with that or other ways to, um, other ways to kind of like hybrid it and, and make it different, um, to allow for kind of all of that to happen at the same time. So it was, it was definitely a challenge. And I think it just, we, we wanted it to be old school. We wanted it to just be, basic CrossFit, like you can do some, you know, we'll program some higher advanced stuff if you want. We've got a competitor class twice a week. That's it. Um, if you want to be a competitor, like you still have to come to class and do regular class. We can make it hard for you if you want, but having that whole like split up mentality, um, I think it just destroys gyms and it wasn't what we wanted Um, so things kind of, that started to change. And from a financial standpoint, I think people get really, um, they don't understand what it takes to run a gym. They don't understand the resources and like the time and how much money it actually takes to run a gym. And everybody talks about how expensive your membership is, but it's really expensive to run a gym. And so, um, we were kind of at a point where we knew we were 
financially, we probably weren't going to get much bigger. Like we, we probably weren't going to make a whole lot more unless we started figuring out all these different other ways to make money as gym owners. And, um, for the amount of hours we were putting in, I think it kind of just got to a point where it was like, we can't really continue like this forever. And we're kind of at peak financial, like what we're going to get in. And it just wasn't really what matched up anymore. Okay. So we decided to sell. Yeah. And we need, we knew we needed to sell at a point when CrossFit was big enough still. And that our name as that particular gym was big enough that we would get the money. Cause really if you're a CrossFit gym and you haven't made a name for yourself, then you're only worth what the equipment is worth. Yeah. So we had a really good track record. We had a great name. We had a great community. And so it was kind of the time, like get out now, or it's just going to, the value is just going to keep decreasing. Okay. So how do you, how do you go from that? You're, you know, competitive CrossFitter. You were part owner of the gym. Um, and now, now you sold it and where are you? Like what? Well, so I think that's kind of, that's the whole, who the heck am I? Yeah. I think that's the whole, as I know, when you asked me to be on this podcast, I was like, I don't know if I'm not interesting, but (laughs) I think the whole, like, I was thinking about it for a while. I think that what I have to offer is kind of, um, the look, a look at personal identity, right? So that transition of selling the gym and then figuring out what the heck to do, there's a huge point in time where you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. So, and that, kind of lasts for a long time. And it's something that actually, it's funny because a lot of the girls, especially that I was familiar with from CrossFit during my competitive years, when they stopped, they wanted to transition. They wanted to have kids. They wanted to do all these other things. I saw, you know, via social media, they struggle a lot with it too. But I think that, that you can kind of relate that to anybody's life. So, um, we sold the gym and, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself for a while. Like I wasn't Leia, the volleyball player that was old. Like that had been gone a long time ago. I wasn't the competitive CrossFit athlete. Um, I wasn't the CrossFit gym owner. So I didn't really know who I was um, for probably a few years, like figuring that out. Um, And I think some of that transition, some people go through big changes, um, and they can hold on to kind of what they had or who they were. But my my ex-husband, um, so my husband at the time, and I really didn't have, we didn't do a great job with that transition. I think he struggled a lot with that aspect too from an identity perspective, like who am I now? What am I gonna do? Um, and we kind of realized as a couple that our, the past, you know, 10 years of our life, that's all that it was, was CrossFit, CrossFit gym ownership, like running the facility, the business, being involved with all the people. And when that was gone, um, we didn't have a whole lot left in our relationship to hang on to. So we decided to just that going our separate ways was probably the best option. And so, um, I was just floating around for a while trying to figure out what my next move was going to be. And I had gotten into, some contract work with, um, my nursing degree as a clinical educator for a company. And I had gotten to travel 
all over the country um, during that transition because it was kind of what I was doing to make money at the time. So I got to go to all hospitals um, and cancer centers at all these different places around the around the country. And I kept coming back to the Southeast. So I kept coming back to, um, you know, the Carolinas and Tennessee and like all of the places out here. And I really liked it. Um, and I had met a few people, like a handful of people out here. So when I started applying for full-time jobs, um, I really was like, I, I need to, make a new start somewhere. Like I gotta, there's nothing in Texas. My family was in Texas, um, but family's always going to be there. Um, you know, that, that I wasn't really worried about that, but nothing else was really holding me down at the time. Um, so I was like, this is the time that I need to go find something. Yep. So I applied to jobs all over the country, but I kind of concentrated a little bit on the Southeast because I really liked it here. And um, a position opened up and I interviewed and I got it and I I was able to move out here. So, um, so I did that back in the end of 2019. And this is where I am. Yeah. And like it? You still yes. like it here? Yeah. I love it here. I like all of the... Um, you can do so many outdoor things, um, which is way different from Houston. Houston's just hot and humid yeah. all the time. Like you can't do anything and, um, you have to go to a different part of the state to do stuff. And out here, there's so much that's really close. Um, yeah. so much outdoor activity, you're, you're the weather so much nicer and, um, you know, but funny enough, um, you know, you always go back to that thing. So you've got the CrossFit gym and, you're like, yeah, well, I got to meet people. Like, this is where I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a common theme with anybody that's been in the sport or just in it for a long time knows that wherever they go, they're going to find a gym and they're going to be able to take off from there. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, when we moved down here in 2011, that was the hardest thing was to find your people, you know, right. where, and we, we would work out and we liked working out and didn't know if we wanted to go to the Y, you know, and so we worked out from home and then all of a sudden, boom, that the CrossFit opened up and uh, CrossFit Weddington and we started there and that's where we found, you know, all your people. And then even looking, you know, in Black Mountain, there's not a CrossFit over in Black Mountain. So I'm like, it's going to be your new, where uh, am I going to find my people, you know, <laughs> your new business venture? No, no, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, no. No, somebody else can can do that. There you go. Well, I'll just go and attend. Um, but uh, what you know, there's a couple things when we were you know putting this together, and I try to get a little bit of a background on people, and I don't try to get a big background because I want it to kind of flow and come out, and I don't really want to direct it too much. But you um, you had something on here about you know, what motivates me? Like what motivates you to, um, go out and do what you do? I mean, so I think, um, not really motivate, but I think I've kind of figured out that making connections with people is a uh, really big part of what makes me tick. Like, mm -hmm. and it happens in, you know, day-to-day -day life, like, 
you know, like you said, going to the gym, finding your people, um, you know, making those kind of connections. And then even through, um, what I do for work now, um, there is a, there's a huge element of people connection. Um, you know, we're teaching physicians in there and we're helping them in procedures, um, with patients and like, you know, it, you, it was hard when I left the gym to figure out what was going to bring the same kind of meaning. Right. Um, and I'd actually don't know if you can, it's really hard to find that maybe teachers can relate, um, coaches, things like that, but there aren't a lot of, um, careers where you can make such a difference and you can be so important to so many people on a public, I mean, in a, in a very public way. So I think, um, for motivation or just like getting back in the groove after that transition of kind of, you know, who am I, what do I, what do I want to do? Um, finding connections in what you're doing currently, even if they're not as public as they were when I was like, you know, the CrossFit coach and, you know, everybody think, you know, you're just getting accolades from so many people. Um, you have to kind of see where you're making those connections and where you're making a difference, even if it's small ways. Um, and I think that kind of reminding yourself of all of those instances mm -hmm. is part of what helps you make that jump from being kind of a more public figure to just being you like yeah. just living your life. So I think for me, as far as like motivation and kind of what still gets me excited is, um, trying to find those moments in life or parts of your life where you can still make a difference and, um, you know, what you're doing is, is important, even if it's just important to one person. Yeah. So, um, I think, and that's a big mental shift. Do you ever, you know, I was talking to Nicole about the whole, the thing on social media and the view on social media and, and the whole thing of you try to put stuff out there and I, I do the same thing, like the little motivational things or, or what's going on. Or, um, if you, if you find what you love, you'll never work another day in your whole life. And, and I think my thought on that is, um, there's like half truth to everything out there. Because at the end of the day, everything's still a job, right? right? And, and I was a fireman for 16 years, and that was an awesome job, but it was still a job. Right. Like you went in there, and I loved it, but it was still a job, and you had good days and bad days, and you had days of like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I doing this? And I feel like people need to know that that struggle is with everybody. Like, everybody feels that same way not everybody is like oh this is the greatest thing <laughs> you know but it had to be hard when people are kind of lost in what they want to do because they have such expectations or or think right that they need to feel this way every single day well yeah and you kind of bring up a good point um everybody has a skewed view of reality of your reality right mm -hmm. so when i was a gym owner and a competitive athlete and this and that and there's a lot of people that think that that was like the dream mm -hmm. like oh my gosh you've got this gym and it's so great and all these people are 
you know, you're helping all these people and they think you're awesome and blah, blah, blah. And in a lot of ways it was, um, it was, I mean, it, it really was. And I don't think anything's going to come close to that. Um, when it comes to the way that that felt particularly, but there's still like, I mean, <laughs> the yeah. struggles of running a business and just when you have an off day and if you, and even from the competition perspective, like if you don't do as well as you're supposed to, yeah. um, you know, who do you think you're letting down or does that change your perspective? So I think people have a very skewed sense of reality. Um, and you just gotta like, all, a lot of that is an illusion. Like you, yeah. you, everybody, it's just life. Like you gotta make the most of it. And you, you gotta find what's meaningful to you and do more of it. Even like I said, even if it's only meaningful to you and your family or your friends or whoever, that's, it's still important and it's still fulfilling and worthwhile. And you don't have to be this social media influencer to have a great life. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think it's definitely skewed our perspectives a lot. Maybe that's, maybe social media is kind of responsible for some of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's always been around for, you know, the grass isn't always greener, but yes. people think it is sometimes. But people think it is. And, and I didn't grow up with, you know, social media, but even today as a almost 50 year old adult, sometimes I look at, I'm like, Oh my God, well, nobody liked my doing? post. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I thought that was okay. Or what, Oh my God, what are they doing that I'm not doing and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, they're probably doing the exact same thing. And it's no great. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's skewed. It like, is. We have a, and I, I just think that people need to understand that, especially younger people. Yeah, I actually, um, I made a comment the other day where I was like, there's so many young people that have like anxiety and all of these mental health problems. And I mean, I'm young, not to say that I'm not young, but I, I kind of feel like I grew up right on the edge. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16. I didn't have and it didn't work out where I lived. Yeah. When I got to college, I actually had cell phone service all the time. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. No wonder people are on their phones a lot. Um, and uh, so, you know, Facebook had just kind of come around when I was in college and we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all of this stuff. Um, now, obviously, it's everywhere. And it's I, I'm surprised like at how big of an issue um, young people or how much mental health struggles really young people are, are dealing with. Um, and I mean, it's, they say it all the time, but it's like nobody posts their worst stuff on social. Like it's all a highlight reel. And, um, the big question is like, are you happy doing what you're doing? And if not, then make some changes. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people aren't happy and they think that they're not supposed to be feel that way. Where lots of people feel that way. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to work today, you know, but but then they see like, whoa, yeah. I'm, at, I'm at work and it's awesome. And it's hard. And my my daughter deals with that and that struggle. And I it was new for me because I didn't know. Right. So you know what you know, or you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't have any social media growing up. And you just went out and your world was small. Yeah. Right? The world is much 
bigger now because it's far reaching with everything. It was smaller, but I just don't, we didn't have the things, you know, to deal with that kids nowadays have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely agree. I think that there's, maybe that is true in that people think that life's supposed to be a lot, um, a lot more highlight reel and a lot less regular life. life. And that's just kind of not the way that it is. And hopefully, hopefully they figure that out. I hope so. But I'm a big, um, I'm a big proponent of like, nothing's permanent, right? You, you can make changes. Um, I mean, I picked up and moved across the country and it was great. And it's cause I wasn't happy at the time where I was, what I was doing. I needed to make changes. So I did. Um, so I'm a little bit, I don't know. I want to say insensitive a little bit <laughs> to some of it in that if you're really like, if you're not happy, um, you want to do something different, you want to make a change, you want to just things have to be different, then you got to take steps to do that. Cause you know, five years from now is going to come no matter what you might as well start going where you want to go. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do that, then enlist help to figure out how to do that. So whether that's you need to gain some kind of new skill or you need to network and meet new people who are in the area that you want to be in or just whatever it is, you need to make more money. Um, there's lots of, of extra things that you can, I mean, I worked five jobs at one point. Mm. Most of them were like online, but it was a lot um, just to, I wanted to be involved with as many things as I could be involved with and meet as many people and connect with as many people as I could. And it served me really well. Um, so I just think like you gotta, you gotta start making changes yeah. and, and, um, and work towards whatever makes you happy and don't let anyone else judge what that is. Right. Like mm -hmm. what makes you happy is not the same thing as what makes me happy as what makes whoever else happy. Um, so just, yeah, know your values, know what you want, know your goals and work towards them. Mm -hmm. I know I moved out, um, when I was 19 and moved to, from Michigan to Florida, then Florida back to Michigan on my own. And it was kind of like, you just got to do it. I worked and I worked and I worked multiple jobs, went to school, figured out what I wanted to do and just work towards that goal. And I think that's, you nailed it by so many people have different opinions and what you should do. Yeah. What and if you're not feeling it and you know it, what you want to do, you got to, you got to drive towards that. Oh, I dealt with a lot of guilt at first. Um, so I got a nursing degree and I was, and I already had a bachelor's. So this is the second bachelor's. <laughs> um, and I, was looking for a full-time nursing job, but I was also coaching at the gym full-time. And when I decided to go headfirst into CrossFit and not into nursing specifically, I kept my degree, you know, active, my license and stuff active. I dealt with a lot of guilt of like, did I waste, did I waste the money? Did I, you know, should I be doing this? Like I'm just a coach or, but I'm a gym owner. Like, so luckily my parents were, pretty supportive about all of it, but I still dealt with it a lot internally. Like, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? But, um, I'm glad I just, you know, went with my gut and was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I need to do. And, um, I mean, we had a great successful business. 
So yeah, you can't, you can't worry about disappointing other people because you're the only person that has to live with you. Right. Like, you know, you got to do what makes you happy, even if people don't understand that right now. Right. Right. Um, they'll come around or they won't and you'll just let them go. Yeah. Move on. So people don't have to be in your life forever. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not important to you, but it's okay if you grow beyond certain relationships. Right. And, uh, so what's in the future for you? Man, I don't even know. <laughs> the the things are pretty great right now. So just kind of doing what I'm doing. Um, I have a, I, I am running. So I've got, oh, let me start out. Yes. Yes. I, um, so I won't be doing many more CrossFit competitions. I hate to break it to my current teammates (laughs) in the future. Um, I just, the fire is not there anymore for that kind of thing. Um, but this weekend will be fun, but I got approached who was a a former guest of yours, Mm -hmm. um, to run George Cuddy to run Boston next year. So the Boston marathon, um, in 2022, so that is my next physical endeavor, I guess I'm going after. Um, but we're running it for a charity. It's the Cuddy Family Foundation for Veterans. Um, if you haven't listened to that podcast, I don't know what episode it was that George was on. We'll have to look, we'll have yes. to look that up. Um, go listen to it. But we're trying to raise money for, um, for veterans uh, and for homeless veterans and then others I, we say others in peril, but it's really the focus right now is homeless veterans. Um, and the money is going through a couple of, it's going to go to a couple of big projects that we have, um, kind of in the works in mostly starting out in Louisiana right now, but hopefully it'll go nationwide in the future. And, um, so George, uh, picked multiple people that are going to be running in the next few years. Cause we get a, a bid every year we get a bib and my year is next year. So after, um, after this comp, I'll be diving headfirst into some more marathon training and, um, fundraising. So I'll have a, I do have a link to the, I have a GoFundMe set up to, um, to raise funds for that, um, endeavor. And I got a lot of time to get there. So I have a pretty big goal. I want to raise at least $5,000. Um, and I have, you know, till next April to, to do it. So, I'll be pushing it out a lot more. Yeah, because April's right around the corner. I know, I know. I'm going to start running much more. (laughs) Running's never been my most favorite thing in the world, but um, it's this opportunity. It's just one of those things, right? I, I definitely think that I am... A, I don't know if you know anything about Enneagrams, but I'm an Enneagram seven, like the YOLO type person. I'm and a seven. Yeah. So <laughs> if there's an opportunity that comes knocking, I'm going to take it. Yes. Even if I don't necessarily know what it, what does that mean? Like, what does this all involve? I'm just like, oh, what? You want me to run Boston? Great. I'll never qualify for that by myself. So I can run it for a charity and be in the most prestigious race ever yeah. in the world. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm a terrible runner, but I'll practice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the so problem. That's, a, that's, that's the problem is. with us yeah, <laughs> because I, I look at different opportunities too. And I'm like, okay, all right. I've been doing this for three years, four right. years. What's next? What's next? And that's my struggle. Cause then I'm always like, you know, it's like n- the nursing thing. You built something up 
and I'm always like, okay, um, that was cool. Um, what's next? Right. And I'm like, but isn't that a bad thing? Shouldn't I? Because when I was raised up, people worked for 20 years, 25 yeah. years, no. years in the same place. Not like and I'm that like, anymore. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm going to do that either. Probably not. But um, I think that what there's good things and bad things about being a, having that seven mentality. Yeah. And so I think that it's the great thing about us is that we're usually like really positive and really like, um, you know, looking on the bright side of what's the good part of all of this, even if something bad happens, it's like, all right, well, what are we going to learn from this and what's good about it? So I think that's super helpful. And I think that keeping yourself open to opportunities is super important. And so that's a really good benefit of our personalities is that we are going to look for those opportunities and we're going to take chances. Um, but you gotta, on a different note, I think that you have to not lose track of what you appreciate and what you have now. And so you have to, you have to water that garden too. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can run into trouble is when you're always forward thinking and you don't stop and say, Hey, you know, but what I have now is great. And you have to express gratitude and, and, um, you know, keep that in good shape Mm -hmm. what you've got now or you'll lose things that are important to you for sure people mostly yeah um you know situations things like that so so definitely things that i've learned over the last few years but no that's awesome so the cuddy family foundation and do you know your link your GoFundMe. Link. Oh, I can probably. Look. It's got a bunch of numbers in it, so we may need to link it to the podcast. Okay, we can I do that. I have it on my, um, yeah, on my Instagram. Is it on your Instagram? Yeah, so it's on my. So my Instagram is my my name is is Leia, but it's not spelled the way you would expect <laughs> it. So, um, it's my Instagram is Leia G. That's me, and it's L E A H G that's me. Um, and I have the link to the GoFundMe on that Okay. and other musings if you care to check it out. Cool. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. See ya. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Beyond Grit with your host, me, Robert Young. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell somebody about it. You can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms and be sure to tune in every Wednesday for another exciting success story of somebody going beyond grit. Until then, take care.